This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 109, El Chupacabra. It was the mid-1990s when Puerto Rico, an island steeped in rich folklore and eerie legends, was cast into the shadow of a new and unsettling mystery. Reports of a monstrous creature emerged from the rural heartlands, striking fear into the hearts of farmers and ranchers. As the accounts spread like wildfire, the creature acquired a name that would come to reverberate throughout the world, El Chupacabra. For decades, Puerto Rico had been a tranquil place, its sun-kissed beaches attracting tourists seeking respite from the hustle and bustle of modern life. The islanders, with their vibrant culture and long history of supernatural beliefs, were no strangers to tales of mythical beasts and otherworldly phenomena. But the chupacabra was different. Its legend had grown from the whispers of frightened villagers to newspaper headlines across the globe. In the small town of Canavanas, in the northeastern part of the island, the first chilling report surfaced. In the stillness of the night, a local farmer, José Luis Ocasio, discovered his prized livestock dead under mysterious circumstances. Their carcasses were found with peculiar puncture wounds on their necks, their blood inexplicably drained. The normally tight-knit community was aghast, unable to explain the gruesome scene that lay before them. Word of the unsettling event spread like wildfire through Puerto Rico's grapevine, reaching the ears of renowned ufologist and cryptozoologist Jorge Martin. Though no stranger to investigating unexplained phenomena, Martin was intrigued by the perplexing similarities between the Canavanos incident and a string of bizarre animal deaths that had been reported in other parts of the island. Martin had earned a reputation as a level-headed skeptic, but even he couldn't ignore the growing pattern that suggested a sinister presence might be stalking Puerto Rico's livestock. Over the following few weeks, reports of similar attacks flooded local media outlets. In the quaint town of Morovis, another farmer, Ramon Lopez, came forward with a haunting tale of discovering his goats lifeless and mutilated. The island was on edge. Tales of the chupacabra-dominated conversations, permeating the daily lives of Puerto Ricans. Fearful eyes scanned the shadows, and superstitions resurfaced as residents sought ways to ward off the lurking menace. 
Some sought protection in amulets and religious symbols, while others relied on age-old rituals passed down through generations. As the stories multiplied, so did the descriptions of the chupacabra. Witnesses offered varied and sometimes conflicting accounts. Some claimed to have seen a monstrous humanoid figure with glowing red eyes and bat-like wings, while others described it as a reptilian beast, its back lined in dark feathers. Yet there was a striking commonality among the accounts. The creature was believed to be about four feet tall, with sharp claws and fangs capable of piercing its victim's flesh with ruthless precision. In the midst of this growing hysteria, the local authorities faced mounting pressure to solve the mystery. Veterinarians and biologists were brought in to conduct autopsies on the slain animals. Their initial findings suggested that the chupacabra, if it existed at all, was not a known predator. The nature of the wounds baffled experts, further fueling the public's curiosity and fear. As the sun set on Puerto Rico, darkness brought with it an unsettling stillness that permeated the countryside. In the year of 1996, the island remained firmly gripped by the enigmatic shadow of the chupacabra. Despite the fervent skepticism and rational explanations offered by some, the sightings and the grisly evidence persisted, challenging those who sought to dismiss the legend as mere superstition. For Jorge Martin, the pursuit of the chupacabra became an all-consuming mission. Armed with a blend of scientific inquiry and a willingness to explore the realm of the unexplained, he gathered a team of like-minded individuals eager to unravel the mystery. Together, they embarked on a quest to shed light on the creature's origins and motives. In the lush valleys of Canavanos, where the first reported attack had taken place, Martin's team set up camp. Under the eerie night sky, they waited, hoping to catch a glimpse of the elusive predator. Their patience was soon rewarded, as the eerie silence was broken by the distant sounds of howls. Raising their binoculars, the team strained their eyes to discern any movement in the inky darkness. As they focused their gaze on a nearby hill, a fleeting shadow materialized. The figure, illuminated by the faint glow of the moon, appeared to match the description given by numerous witnesses. A small humanoid creature with glowing red eyes. Though thrilling, the sighting was fleeting and the creature vanished as quickly as it had appeared. Undeterred, Martin and his team remained steadfast, determined to uncover the truth behind the chupacabra's existence. Night after night, they braved the dense forests and traversed the rugged terrain, hoping to capture concrete evidence of the elusive creature. Meanwhile, the media frenzy surrounding the chupacabra only intensified, Local newspapers and international news outlets alike eagerly reported on the unfolding drama. Puerto Rico's enchanting image now found itself overshadowed by tales of fear and uncertainty. Tourists were both intrigued and repelled by the prospect of encountering the mythical predator, leaving the island's tourism industry in a state of turmoil. 
As rumors and stories continued to swirl, not everyone was convinced that the chupacabra was of supernatural origin. Skeptics pointed to the possibility of mass hysteria, suggesting that the attacks on livestock were the result of more mundane predators or even a contagious disease. But such explanations fell short when faced with the eerie precision of the puncture wounds and an undeniable consistency in witness accounts. Police officers were regularly dispatched to areas where sightings were reported, patrolling the darkened landscapes in search of the elusive beast. Their efforts were often met with public skepticism, but the authorities pressed on, driven by a duty to protect the community from whatever unknown threat lurked in the night. Back in Cannabinos, the haunting attacks continued. The creature seemed to taunt the town's residents, striking with an almost calculated cruelty. Fear hung in the air like a heavy fog, and locals began to refer to the area as Chupacabra Alley. The once thriving farmlands now resembled a ghost town, abandoned by those who could no longer endure the fear and financial devastation of their animals' brutal deaths. Amidst the chaos and terror, a glimmer of hope emerged. Martine's team managed to secure a collection of mysterious footprints near one of the crime scenes. The tracks were unlike any that they had ever encountered before, elongated, with three sharp claws on the front and a fourth at the back. The discovery ignited a spark of excitement among the researchers, as they now had tangible evidence to analyze and compare. As the investigation progressed, an unexpected alliance formed between the scientific community and Puerto Rico's believers in the supernatural. Despite their differing beliefs, they found common ground in their desire to solve the mystery of the Chupacabra. Their collaboration led to the establishment of a comprehensive database, where eyewitness accounts, animal autopsy reports, and any potential evidence were meticulously catalogued. As the year 1997 dawned on Puerto Rico, the island found itself at a crossroads. For years, the legend of the Chupacabra had seized the collective imagination, casting a mysterious shadow over its idyllic landscape. What had begun as isolated reports of animal attacks had blossomed into a full-blown phenomenon, captivating both believers and skeptics across the globe. Amidst the growing hysteria, investigator Jorge Martin remained at the epicenter of the investigation. Undeterred by the skeptics and emboldened by the fervent believers, he was determined to unravel the truth behind the elusive chupacabra. Martin's days and nights were consumed by the quest for answers. He pored over eyewitness accounts, analyzed animal autopsy reports, and delved into the annals of Puerto Rico's rich folklore. As the legend grew, so did the pressure on him and his team to unearth the creature's true identity. The sightings had transcended the realms of superstition and rumor, becoming a tangible part of Puerto Rico's cultural fabric. Local newspapers were awash with chilling stories of encounters with the mysterious predator, further fueling the public's fascination and dread. Tourists, once drawn to the island's sun-kissed shores, now sought a taste of the macabre. Hoping for a glimpse of the enigmatic creature, 
that had eluded capture for so long. Martin's investigation, however, led him down a different path, one that relied on evidence and critical thinking. He refused to be swayed by the allure of sensationalism or the temptation to weave fantastic tales. To him, the truth mattered above all else. Amidst this social upheaval, experts one by one began to question the supernatural nature of the chupacabra. Veterinarians and biologists, untangling the web of terror, posited alternative explanations for the peculiar wounds found on the animals' bodies. The chupacabra, some began to argue, could be the result of known predators with an affinity for attacking livestock. The striking similarities between the wounds and those inflicted by animals such as wild dogs and feral cats seemed undeniable. In their quest for food, these creatures left behind them a trail of death that bore a chilling resemblance to the fabled chupacabra's handiwork. As the scientific perspective gained traction, the belief in the chupacabra's supernatural origins began to wane. But breaking the spell of a legend deeply ingrained in the island's culture proved to be no easy task. For every skeptic, there were two who clung steadfastly to the idea of an otherworldly predator lurking in the shadows. Yet even as Martin and his fellow researchers sought rational explanations... They acknowledged that the chupacabra phenomenon had taken on a life of its own. The legend had transcended its humble origins, becoming a vessel for societal fears and anxieties. The chupacabra was now a symbol of something greater, a reflection of Puerto Rico's collective imagination and its penchant for the mysterious. As the years passed, The chupacabra's grip on Puerto Rico gradually weakened. The island's residents returned to their daily routines, leaving behind the frenzied hunt for the elusive beast. Tourists, once drawn by the thrills of the unknown, discovered the true allure of the island's culture and heritage, beyond the tales of the macabre. The chupacabra phenomenon, in its wake, left a trail of valuable lessons. It highlighted the power of folklore and the enduring allure of the unexplained. It underscored the human capacity to weave captivating narratives that resonate across generations. And above all, it emphasizes the need for skepticism, critical thinking, and empirical evidence when confronted with the inexplicable. Today, the legend of the Chupacabra lives on in Puerto Rico's collective memory. But amidst the stories and myths, there lies a deeper truth. The story of a community united by its pursuit of understanding, even in the face of the unknown. And to this day, as the sun sets over Puerto Rico, casting long shadows across its rolling landscapes, the legend of the Chupacabra endures. Its legacy forever etched in the hearts of those who witnessed the phenomenon. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Now the debrief. All right. (sighs) See, I like how that rolls. And now the debrief. Yeah. Not just silence and then into it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. 
It's certainly what we're used to. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't, like, don't try to fix something that's not broke. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. As they say. Do they say that? Yeah. Wow. Stumbled (laughs) right into that one. (laughs) The more you know. Oh, man. All right. So. The Chupes. El Chup. Yeah. El Chupacabra. This is like Mount Rushmore cryptid territory. I was going to say, yeah, this is like classic cryptid. Yep. Yeah, I kind of like I was going through a list of um, potential topics and I was like, didn't we already do this one? I swear. And I like had to go back and look and I'm like, we seriously haven't done the Chupacabra in two years. We didn't do the Chupacabra. I know it's one that like we've talked about in the past and we're like, oh, you know, we'll kind of hit up these like more obscure and then uh, and then like delve or dive into uh, some of the more like classic, you know, well-known yeah, ones for sure so it makes sense you know to to have time go by and finally yeah. start to do some of the heavier i mean it's not really a heavy hitter i don't really know i, I don't i, mean, I don't know how i feel about the chupacabra but you know the chupacabra has killed is more aliens. than bigfoot that's it's fair. definitely one of the more violent cryptids well yeah yeah that's fair yeah yeah we're gonna get into that exactly for sure because <laughs> that's yeah that's a big part of yeah. Uh, I was gonna say you can expect expect that on this episode. That is for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's right up top. I want to say we are like very close friends with the man who spearheaded the movement to separate the chupacabra from the fucking the dogs with mange in Texas. It, <laughs> this is not the same thing. So don't fucking at me. Don't come at us with this with your fucking pictures of sick dogs telling us those are chupacabra um (laughs) those are what we affectionately refer to as texas terror dogs and i in my opinion that's more respect than they deserve as like a standalone thing you You know know, i think those are poor neglected dogs yeah and like weird coyote hybrids that get mange and end up with you know it's yeah that's all it is yeah that's all it is so that is it's, not what we're talking about it's sad. Today. that that's it is sad. That's sad yeah instead of hitting them with your fucking car because you think they're a monster you need to pick them up and take them to a fucking veterinarian yeah and get them some help exactly maybe give them a f- bowl of food and some water yeah exactly and a bath they might be your next best friend maybe if you took care of them they wouldn't eat your fucking chickens dummy. yeah no doubt i mean if you're not gonna feed them how else are they going to survive? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> what is that? That oh man, that song that always played in all of the terrible like rescue a dog for so such and such money. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> that needs yeah. to be the song that just plays under this whole bit right now because <laughs> yeah, be perfect. Let's do it. Ah. Uh, anyhow just we'll put in just enough of it to not have to pay for it <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. maybe if i speed it up or play it si- like cl- quiet enough nobody yeah. will know but we'll know that it's there just find the instrumental version yeah like, played on cellos or something right then then you won't have to maybe in a different key yeah exactly <laughs> so it sounds completely different but it's still the same yeah all right yeah. okay so we all that to say we're gonna be focused mostly we're going to talk about the spread, obviously, because this thing went like globally viral before viral was a thing. And it got, it drove sightings of canine type stuff in other places outside Puerto Rico. Um, 
So we will talk about that a little bit, but mostly we're going to be talking about events contained on the island of Puerto Rico. Excellent. Let's do it. Um, so there is there. Okay. So predating the nineties sightings, what we consider Chupacabra sightings. If we go back to February of 1975, 20 years before in Puerto Rico, there is a rash of animal mutilations, right? Um, the animals have puncture wounds on their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're drained of all their blood. They In February, farmers in the area lose 15 cows, three goats, two geese, and a pig in the exact same, in that exact way. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Law enforcement decides that it's just dogs, and they stop investigating. Like, it's just wild dogs killing your livestock, right? Then a week later, Ray Jimenez finds his, found, finds his cow with its skull pierced and all the blood drained out. Then on March 15th, another farmer, he loses 34 chickens with the same puncture wounds, all exsanguinated. So that basically, that takes us to like a total of 90 dead animals in just two weeks. Right. Which is a shitload of animals. That's a shit ton. Yeah. Yeah. Then three, three days later on March 18th, Hector Vega, another farmer, he finds three of his goats dead. Same same description of the bodies. And the next morning, he finds seven more injured, ten of them missing, and ten more dead in the same in the same way. Finally, newspapers, local newspapers pick up the story, and this mysterious creature is given the name El Vampiro de Mocha, which is the vampire of Mocha, which is pretty fucking awesome. Okay. Then, like mocha is in chocolate? No, that's the town okay. in Puerto Rico where it happens. Um, yeah, the vampire you, you of mocha. Know, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they open an investigation. Um, it's opened by the Senate Agricultural Commission, and they bring in... So they have like a bunch of working theories. They bring in a herpetologist because they're like wondering if it could be the Puerto Rican boa constrictor that's killing all these animals. And the snake guy is like... No, definitely not. Okay. They're not poisonous. They don't suck blood. And a a boa constrictor would have no way of killing livestock that big. I mean, the Puerto Rican boa doesn't get, doesn't get very big. So he says no. Then they discover this group of quote, odd bats. Hmm. (laughs) That's what they, that's what they refer to. So what kind of bats are they? I don't know. They're just odd ones. Odd ones. Not good at parties. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, okay. So then they bring in a biologist, and the biologist is like, those are just fruit bats. They're not odd. Like, just just bats. They don't attack animals. They eat fucking fruit and bugs. Your everyday like, run-of-the-mill bats. Yeah, just fruit bats. Okay. So then in July of, of 75, the animal deaths just stop. No explanation, no culprit ever identified. So we have this, like, pretty intense run of, we're talking, like, 120 dead animals in like a couple months yeah that's a lot yeah that's a ton and then nothing crazy for 20 years and then in march of 95 we start seeing what ends up being the chupacabra being called the chupacabra right so the first the first sighting is 60 miles from moco where the original things happen it's in uh oracovis and morovis um Farmers begin to see mysterious animal deaths and mutilations, just like the ones from the 70s. Um, And they bring in a veterinarian, Carlos Soto, and he examines eight animals. He examined them 
There are a couple points here. So he examined them over 12 hours after they were dead, and none of the animals showed signs of rigor mortis. Okay. None. Um, all eight animals had two super deep puncture wounds on the right side of their neck. Like the channel of the puncture wounds went straight up all the, straight up their neck into their brains. So like long, mm-hmm. you'd have to have some pretty fucking long teeth. If, if, if that's I mean, teeth, yeah. you know, yeah, there's I mean? no way teeth could do that. Right. That's weird. That's a really long channel to, and they're all like surgical precision, like perfect puncture wounds. Well, of course they are because this is aliens. <laughs> Yeah, keep God going. Damn it. Okay, so then there's this uh, comedian and radio DJ. Sil- His name's Silverio Perez. Ah, Silverio, my boy. Yeah, exactly. On his radio show, he claims to have term coined the term El Chupacabra. So apparently, he's the one. He's the one who he claims at least to have named it. Um, which sort of makes sense because it's a pretty jokey name. I mean, it literally means goat I, sucker. I mean, yeah. Right, it's, like it's a funny name. Yeah, it's silly, and so it makes sense that a comedian would have come up with it, right? Um, to just well, it makes sense that a radio DJ would come up with it, really, because it's it's more of that brand of humor, right? You know, it's definitely on par. Yeah, you could definitely see it coming out of like like Billy Bob and Gonzo in the morning. I'm Billy Bob, and I'm Gonzo. How dare you not let me be Gonzo? <laughs> I gave you Gonzo. I'm going to hold that against you for a very long time. All right. Um, but he discussed... Okay, so Silvio Perez. He discusses the the deaths on the radio during this time period a lot. Like, it's a running, a running commentary that he has. Um, and eventually, the first eyewitness description of an actual beast, not just dead animals, comes in. And this comes from Madeline Tolentino. This is like the famous chupacabra drawing that she ends up doing. So in this, she and her mother see a creature in front of their house, just chilling on the sidewalk. It's literally just standing on the sidewalk when they look out the window. Okay. And this is her description. Okay. She says, quote, it looked like a kangaroo without a tail, walking on its hind legs like a human. She describes two thin arms with three fingers and three toes. Um... Dark eyes that went up its temples and spread around the sides of its head. Uh-huh. No ears. Two small air holes for place for air in place of a nose. Feathered spikes that run down its back, which is something that eventually like people forget about that all the time. But the original description it has this row of feathers going down its back. And um, during the the police interview. The, I mean, this always gets publicized, but like she, she said, "I saw the devil." Like she was, she was like, "This thing is fucking, this is the devil." Two days later, she sees the chupacabra again. This time with her husband. They find it rummaging around in their garage. The husband tries to tackle it, <laughs> like runs in the garage and tries to grab it, and it of course runs away. And then that's when she drew the famous sketch. Um, if you want to see the sketch for sure, go to our Instagram. Like it'll it'll be up there for sure. But it's a pretty gnarly little dude that she draws. Yeah, basically described like an alien. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Or as we'll talk about more in depth later, it looks like the monster from the movie Species. Remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is an alien hybrid right. in the movie. Yeah. Huh. So following this, more sightings pour in. 
there are definitely some variations in description. Like it gets it gets weird. Like um but there are some some consistencies. It's always described three to five feet tall, short, strong hind legs, either black or red glowing eyes, long claws. There are a couple sightings that describe wings. They describe it having wings, which I find odd. That doesn't make sense for what it is. It what Okay, what surprises me about that is, like, if you see an animal with wings, that's the first thing you notice about it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, but they see these feathered spikes coming off of its back. Yeah. Maybe they can... Maybe they fold out into wings. Yeah, uh, maybe. But they're always described as, like, membranous, like, bat wings. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? With With the people who say it has wings. But I figure the guy who tackled it in the garage, or tried to tackle it in the garage, he probably would know if it had wings. You know what I mean? I mean, did it fly away? No. No. I thought it had wings. Uh, they say that it's always accompanied by the smell of sulfur, which just backs up more people's idea that it's like some demonic I was going to say entity. it's very, very demon. Yeah. Spikes or feathers running down its back and scaly skin. Okay. So that's that's pretty much the general thing. Um, okay. The the wing thing does freak me out, though. It's, it's very... Because it's... You either kind of you kind of have to pick like which ones are which descriptions are accurate and so which are there. not. Yeah, like either the thing had wings or it didn't. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like you that'd be something you'd really be able to see. Yeah, especially a thing that's three feet tall. It would have to have huge fucking wings, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in March of '96, this like this hugely popular Spanish talk show. It's called El Show de Cristina, or the Cristina Show. Um, it runs a story about the chupacabra and the story goes viral. Like it went, you know, the nineties equivalent to viral. I mean, yeah. And like, this is when we start seeing reports outside of Puerto Rico. And, you know, it's where we separate from the original beings that were spotted in Puerto Rico, the actual chupacabra. And we start seeing the more canine encounters. Um, but they show these encounters show up in Miami, in in Mexico, there's there's this whole story that the Skeptical Inquirer did in Mexico where Patricia and Mario Mendez Acosta, they, they're reporters for the Inquirer. They do multiple stakeouts in areas where reports were popping up in Mexico. And every time they just found wild dogs. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. One of the local police in the areas, he gave a quote in the article that said, I don't know about the rest of Mexico or the rest of the world, but here the goat suckers are just dogs. <laughs> I mean, isn't Mexico also known for having a lot of wild dogs? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of feral dogs and feral cats. and Yeah. Yeah. But it, it does spread. The idea spreads like crazy. You start getting reports in Spain and Argentina and Chile, Brazil. And then one of some note in Nicaragua. So in August of 2000 in Nicaragua, a guy named Jorge Luis Talavera, he does a stakeout on his farm. He had lost 25 sheep and his neighbor had lost 35. Wow. Yeah. So he does the stakeout. The thing shows up and he shoots it and kills it. This is like the first supposed chupacabra corpse. Yeah. That we hear about. Right. So a local veterinarian examines the body. In her report, she notes an un- that it's an uncommon creature. She says, great eye cavities, 
I don't know if she means like awesome or like big. I mean, either or. Excellent eye cavities <laughs> on this thing. Um, <laughs> These are just top notch. Yeah. Seriously, top drawer eye cavities on this thing. I like what you're doing sure. with the eyes. <laughs> uh, smooth bat like skin, four inch claws, oversized teeth, and a crest sticking out from its main vertebra. So like a it's crest. Yeah. So like its vertebrae are extend out to push the skin out. Pretty weird. Yeah. The vet openly theorized in her report that it could have been a hybrid animal created through genetic engineering. I mean, yeah, that seems kind of ballsy. Yeah, but I'd say it's possible. Yeah. You know, there's, they, uh, there's gotta, yeah. Yeah. It's, and that just seems like it's weird to put speculation in like a medical document, you know? So it stands out. They, uh, yeah. Eventually they send the body to the National Autonomous University of Nicaragua and they study it and they find that the corpse is simply a dog with mange. Um, then, yeah. <laughs> I'm, which is unfortunate. I mean, you know, but yeah. Now yeah. here's the thing though. Here's the thing. They okay. send the body back to Jorge, right? And Jorge says that they switched the body. He tells the local paper, quote, this isn't my goat sucker. Give me back the first one. Yeah. It's, Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's so many stories like that in cryptozoology where like either they send it to the Smithsonian and they never hear back or they send it and then they're like, well, they switch the body out for something explainable. And there's so much of that. It's all a cover up that you hear. Or people are completely full of shit. I mean, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? I, I would say give or take. Yeah. Um, okay. Then we have, like, the big Texas terror dog case in June of 2007 in Cuero, Texas, where you have this woman, Phyllis Canyon. She's like a naturopathic, quote-unquote, doctor. Yeah. Right? And uh, so she sees a weird dog. Then she starts losing chickens. And then she claims that in July of that year, she encounters two chupacabra in one day. One is hit by a car and a guy calls her to come and get it. And one is just found dead by her house. And that's convenience. Yeah. Weird, huh? <laughs> um, she becomes yeah. obsessed with it. She sends the bodies off for examination. She, like, talks all the time about how she still has the skull of it in her freezer. Like, she has one stuffed in her fucking dining room. Um, so... Yeah. So what's she doing with the other one? That's a good question. I think she has like the corpse and head of one in a freezer on her property. Yeah. And then she got the other one stuffed. But like <laughs> when she sends when she sends it off to universities, she's super disingenuous with the results. Like she tells people her quote is like, I sent it off to five universities and all of them, all the results were identical. That it was an animal. What does she say? That that they didn't have in the archive. So she tries to sell that like, must be a cryptid, right? If it's not in the archive. Well, in an interview with the actual tech who ran the examination at one of the universities, they were like, yeah, it's not in the archive. And that's because it's a mix. It's a coyote and a Mexican wolf with mange. Like, yeah, okay. it's not registered. Yeah. It's because it's a random fucking mix. Right, of, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like when you take your... You know, when you get your pound, your, uh, you know, when you save a dog from the animal shelter and you get their, what's it called, embark, 
or whatever where you can get like your dog's DNA profile. Yeah. And see all the all the different breeds. I mean, don't And it's like 40 different breeds, you know what I mean? Yeah. From your from your shelter dog. Yeah. yeah. At a certain point they just put super mutt on the results. <laughs> which is super cool. I like that. But like this was a super mutt. That's why it wasn't quote unquote in the archives. Right? I mean, yeah. And when you when you look at the pictures of this thing, you can you can absolutely see that it's just a sick dog. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I was I was looking at looking at some pictures as well. Um but yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely right. Like it's I I don't know why anybody would think otherwise, but I guess maybe <laughs> trying to find some solution to these, you know, animal killings. Right. That and the fact that it's being made out to be something entirely yeah. more horrifying, right? Yeah. When really it's just diseased wild dogs, dude. It's I mean, sick animals go outside their normal prey. Well, of course. Right? Like and they'll go for livestock because it's easier to kill a fucking sheep that's in a pen than it is to go hunt something in the forest. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. And they're mange fucks dogs up, dude. It's like it's terrible. It, the, all their hair falls out, their skin gets all shriveled up and dry and like cracks and bleeds and it's miserable. It's really sad. Yeah. Of course. And this woman has one stuffed in her dining room. Jeez. It, I hate it. I mean, yeah, it's it's that's kind of gross. Yeah. It's terrible. Like very very unsettling. Yeah. And strange. It's I mean, I I would say it's downright lowbrow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's tasteless. That's tasteless as fuck. Yeah, really to to do that. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these I think are going to be down to the fact that yeah, everybody's just kind of assuming these ugly, terrifying-looking things are everything other than what what they truly yeah. are. Yeah, it it just yeah, it bothers me a lot. Just, and for forty nine ninety five, yeah, you can rescue one of these <laughs> ugly, yeah, beautiful creatures. It's like I think it comes down to whether or not you believe that this woman believes she has a chupacabra. I mean, she, or if she's I just believe, trying to. I believe she believes she does. See, I don't. You know, I don't believe okay. that for a second. I think she knows exactly what it is. Yeah, and she's, she's just, just trying she just to, likes the attention. Yeah, I, that makes sense too. Just trying to get her 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all want it, right? So. And that's disgusting to have like some <laughs> poor, sick dog stuffed in your fucking dining room. Just I mean, to that's get... just the terrible part. Like, uh, yeah. Like, why would you want that on display in the first place? Yeah. Exactly. I like to think at least she just like gets it out for the fucking interviews. Yeah. And other than that, she just like sticks it in the attic or something. I, I doubt it. Me too. Me too. In case of a guest. <laughs> so she can show off her fucking yeah. mange dog. Oh. Gross. Okay. Terrible. So I think you and I agree on what the Texas Terror dog is, right? Oh yeah. For definitely sure. definitely sick dogs. Um but let's get to some theories about the actual Puerto Rican chupacabra. Yeah? Yeah, I'm ready. Alright. So Okay, so the first the the first big theory that I'd like to discuss is monkeys. Okay. Okay. So I'm huh. Yeah. 
I've never you, thought uh, of monkeys. Yeah. All right. Monkeys is a big one. So right off the coast of San Juan, Puerto Rico, there is the Caribbean Primate Research Center. And it is the oldest wild primate research center on Earth. It's been there since the 30s. Right? So what they do is they bring monkeys from all over the world in a, to observe them in the wild. Right? Basically like a monkey Jurassic Park. Like they're contained by the the geography, right? That's yeah. the idea. I mean, yeah, that they're on this little island and can't get off, but they can and have frequently gotten off the island. They stow away on boats. You know, monkeys left to their own devices will absolutely get up to no good. Oh, I've yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've gone down rabbit holes of just watching videos of monkeys. Yeah, dude, I fucking love monkeys. Me too. Monkeys are yeah. awesome. Agreed. Um, so the theory is that is that some monkeys escaped, right? Made it over to mainland Puerto Rico, as they have in the past. But when you see them in low light and you're already freaked out, basically the idea is that the the animal killings were just really were just like packs of wild dogs or feral cats. They were maybe exaggerated by witnesses about how clean the incisions were or whatever you know what i mean yeah but that the sightings of the chupacabra were actually these like low light sightings of escaped monkeys i don't think monkeys could do what like do the damage that that's been reported though that's the thing is that this theory separates the two right the two things like the monkeys are just responsible for the sightings of the chupacabra yeah the livestock deaths are just, you know, the the idea is that the animals were killed by, you know, wild dogs or feral cats and stuff like that. Okay. And but when people thought they were seeing the chupacabra, they were actually seeing an escaped monkey. I mean, that would describe them as humanoid, right? Four, five, three feet to four tall, feet tall, three to four yeah. feet tall, whatever. Yeah. Glowing eyes of some kind. Sure. Under light. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know about this one. I mean, this one seems viable to me. I I like, think sighting wise, yeah, yeah. I, the only thing does. that's the only thing that doesn't line up is if you take the reports seriously about like the autopsies done on the animals afterward and all that. Like those are not the kind of wounds that feral cats or wild dogs could be responsible for, or especially monkeys. Right? Of course not. <laughs> Not no, I, no, not at all. That's like surgical. That's sure. Yeah. Unless you have maybe just a random group of med students or you know people that are up to no good, dude, trying to grab some a, brain juice or something. That's a big. Honestly, that's a big theory. Is that like people yeah. in general? Yeah, like the. You know, uh, one farmer hears about another farmer who got, like, a, a deal to sell his story to a, a magazine or a news article. And so he just, like, kills a few of his sheep and is like, hey, it happened to me, too. Pay me. You know what I mean? If it happened to me, it could happen to you. That's right. Um, So, I mean, people could definitely be responsible. Yeah. For sure. I, I definitely, I mean, like, if it's not aliens... Or something of the like. Honestly, definitely people. Yeah, you think so? Mm -hmm. Um, 
I got some more theories to try out on well, of him. course, yeah. Okay. So, one of the theories is, of course, U.S. government experiments. Yeah. Right? And, you know, those of you who who don't get into conspiracy stuff, like, I, I, I'm sure you're rolling your eyes. But, like, the government, the thing is, the U.S. government has a long history of experimenting in Puerto Rico. Of using Puerto Rico as, like, a testing ground for experiments. Like, that's where... We tested the birth control pill in the 50s. That's where we tested napalm in the 60s. And it's where we tested Agent Orange before we used it in Vietnam. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. You wonder why Puerto Rico has a like has a troubled relationship with their government overlords. I mean, yeah. Right. Because, uh, I mean, a big part of this story that we haven't really talked about is Puerto Rico is part of the united states but not part of the united states but technically part of the united states right it's a u.s territory yeah but we've refused to give it statehood for some reason for like 80 years i mean yeah um so there's a very complicated relationship between the puerto rican people and the u.s government like there's long-standing sort of discomfort with their position you know um with obviously reason yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Personally, I think we should either cut it loose and let them be their own country or offer them statehood. Yeah. Like right now and for the past, you know, for decades now, I'm not sure the exact exactly how long they've been a territory, but for a very long time, they're in this like limbo where they don't have full benefits of being a state, but they don't have the opportunity to write their own constitution or anything right. like they would if they were their own country. Like, yeah. So they're just as controlled as a state is, but they don't have the benefits of being a state. So yeah, they're okay. pissed. They don't like it. A lot of people, and not to speak for all Puerto Rican citizens, <laughs> right, but yeah. like in general, there's some tension there. Um, of course. So yeah, this is one of the, this is one of the big theories. So like some, some people theorize that, and there was a story that came out at some, I think it was in the early 2000s, but this guy gave this story of uh, that there was a lab in, I think, Chile, where the U.S. government was trying to create some sort of hybrid creature capable of surviving on Mars. Okay. And this was like an area where a bunch of other Chupacabra sightings were right. also. So... Some people have connected those dots, but I don't know. I don't know I, I feel like that's just as plausible. Yeah. You know, as sightings being monkeys and stuff like that. Fair. But again, then we are buying into... I love how your brain works. I, see, I go back and forth. <laughs> it's, it's, hard not, it's, hard, it's hard not to. Because then I, I, like, I like the idea of especially it being like this weird like, government conspiracy. Yeah. Just be cool. Just because that makes like the story like cool. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that because that's almost the exact plot of the movie Species. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I well, now like once I once I was pulling up the picture, I pulled up a picture comparing that original drawing to the cover of Species. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and like there there's so many comparisons. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, so another theory, of course, is that this actually is an honest to goodness cryptid, that it's an undiscovered species. 
Yeah. Right. Um, Lauren Coleman, you know, renowned cryptozoologist, he goes for this theory, which is not a shock, right? Um, I mean, no, not at all. But he actually, he bitches all the time about how, like, the dog with mange theory prevents us from from really, like, getting to the actual truth of what happened on Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, which I side with him there because I think, like, he's really, it's just really a different way of getting at the fact that the Puerto Rican sightings and the ones that happened outside of Puerto Rico are two very different things. Yeah. Right? That, like, the what happened in Puerto Rico just sort of gave other people a name to identify I mean, yeah. whatever weird thing was killing their animals. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I, Lauren Coleman honestly is a pretty level headed guy for a cryptozoologist. Like, that sounds really rude. But, like, but there are the a lot of, time, like, though, like, that's, that's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of guys in that field and women in that field that push the envelope of rationality, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, okay. I don't really buy that it's a cryptid. I don't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, like, I biologically, agree. yeah, that like a little reptilian monkey would be hanging out, and you know what I mean. Like that's not really, it doesn't really track I'm, for me at least. Damn it! I'm not gonna go back and say, but, 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 but. I mean, maybe, maybe there is some weird species of a reptilian monkey hybrid sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Some people have speculated that it's the offspring of a dog and an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, How do you feel about that? I, I I was about to say I'd like to see that, but uh, no, actually, I'm curious. Yeah, I I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty curious myself. The alligator would eat that dog up. Yeah, of course it would. Like, good luck with that breeding program, guys. <laughs> like, or do they like hang the alligator up? By oh god okay okay <laughs> yeah i won't create no, a picture no. there <laughs> thank you please don't no i mean okay i i agree i i doubt i doubt it's like i doubt yeah. it's like a full-blown cryptid like hybrid. But, i mean i there's so many i i just want to say like you know even in comparisons to like dinosaurs right i don't think it'd be a stretch to say that there can't be a reptile based monkey thing okay <laughs> i'm just gonna leave that alone yeah 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 let's <laughs> just stop there <laughs> look dude I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's impossible right obviously exactly. the show is filled with things that you know a less open-minded person would call impossible and and i don't think is impossible so yeah but i feel like it's like i keep coming to this point where i'm like yeah no way but maybe yeah exactly (laughs) that's this whole fucking show Uh, not pot okay maybe it's possible (laughs) yeah always (laughs) i find myself doing that constantly no Um, i i i know what i think and i'm sticking to it okay so i saved my favorite two theories for last one i think is the most fun and one i think is the most believable okay we're gonna start with the most fun. All right. And I think the most fun theory is aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
It would explain the way they look, uh-huh. the mutilations, the draining of the blood, the weird yep. puncture holes that are sure. in so many of these cattle mutilations. Yes. Like, very, very, very similar. Yeah. And also I have similar a, in just overall description. Yeah. I have a a fairly unique take, I think, version of this. Okay. So, what I think... I really like the idea that this the chupacabra was originally, well, I guess it still would be, but is a gray. Yeah. Okay. But it was left behind and became feral. So the the like mangier skin, right. the more like it's been exposed to nature for decades, to, you know, Earth's climate mm-hmm. for decades. It's, I think it would alter its look, its yeah, biology, so. and its behavior. Oh, I without think, a doubt. Going after shit in like a sort of like wild way. So what if like, what if, um, you know, they came in 75, that original rash of, of mutilations, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the crew got left behind something happened whatever one of them one of them ended up stranded here and maybe there were a few that you know made it out yeah and then this chupacabra is a gray that's been surviving in the wilds of puerto rico for 20 years with yeah right yeah i love that That, that's that's what i think yeah totally awesome Mm -hmm. like now what's what's the most believable Okay. The most believable to me sort of steps outside of the realm of nuts and bolts. All right. Right? And it gets more sociological. Okay. Okay. So there are some pretty solid theories about, like, the mingling of social issues that were going on in Puerto Rico at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, with their relationship with the U.S. government. And that mingling with folklore from the culture and conspiracy theories that were pretty widely believed about the US government like them running genetic experiments on the island and stuff like that oh I'm sure yeah so the idea is the chupacabra became sort of a manifestation of like a whole host of social issues going on in Puerto Rican Mm. culture right and like the jokey the like comedic name became like a a moniker to cling to like yeah it, it became this like you know Tolentino, the woman who drew the the famous sketch, she like she talked about seeing the movie Species like shortly before her sighting. Okay. She talked about it in an interview, and like the sighting, it looks like the alien in Species, right? It looks like the monster. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. So the thought, my thought at least, is that this visual from this movie that she that's pretty easy to relate to sort of the plight of the Puerto Rican people. Yeah. It's it's very similar. Um, it maybe really resonated with her and became sort of the template for the experience that she had, right? Okay. Um, this approach is like this idea is. I found this sort of summary, or at least I think it like it summarizes it. All right. So, this was written by Dr. Christine Elizabeth Boston in a blog post. On a blog called Humorous Revelations of the Naked Ape. Okay. Right. 
the blog is titled birth of a monster the symbolism of the chupacabra and i'll we'll for sure link it in the show notes yeah. if you want to go because the whole thing is great but um this is her pretty much i think encapsulating this idea so she says quote at that time the citizens were distressed by both natural and social disasters hundreds of puerto ricans had died as a result of diseases a large-scale drought was affecting the agriculture industry and Puerto Rico was in the path of a hurricane that meant to devastate the island further. Yeah. Puerto Rico is a territory of the U.S., and many Puerto Ricans have never been happy about that, leading to anti-American sentiments felt at varying degrees by many Puerto Ricans. It is these circumstances that provided the ideal conditions for creating the Chupacabra mythos. I mean, yeah, I, that's that's hard not to buy to buy into some you know like right some areas of yeah damn it yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sticking with aliens i'm sticking no but <laughs> all right out of everything else yeah, yeah. I, I i would have to say like that makes a lot of sense yeah i i agree i think even if this started with something genuinely anomalous yeah I think the like explosion of it, how it was embraced in like in the culture, I think is definitely a reflection of all those issues. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. You see it with all the theories, right? You see like, for sure. There are people making out of making whatever they need out of the chupacabra. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just as a means of like rationalizing everything that's going on or like kind of whatever. Yep. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Like I said, I like mean, under the, yeah, go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say when you're under that kind of pressure, whatever it is, like, especially the agriculture industry, when you're under that kind of pressure, yeah. it would be easy to cling to like, oh, I know what's wrong. It's that it's the chupacabra. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Instead Maybe of dealing with something bigger. Chupacabra is the government. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, chupacabra. I mean, linguistic linguistically it's a metaphor for like basically everything that was oppressing the puerto rican people at the time right like that's that's what it became but i mean like going back to like all these like random testing and this area stuff like that a lot of this like yeah i mean a lot of a lot of things that have caused a lot of the people the area to not yeah like the government or not want to be part of you know this thing or yep. want to be separate yeah i mean that yeah i mean with like i'd see going through a drought and everything too yeah. you know trying to deal with the devastation that 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 could definitely cause yeah um yeah so much so much stuff going on that yeah. you know trying to say like why is this all happening you know, along with yeah. like our governments doing this and that and being shady here and there or whatever else. Exactly. It's a lot to deal with. It is. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. I mean know, for those people. Like Yeah, it's a ton to think about, dude. Mm-hmm. It's the stressors, like you can imagine the stressors in place for farmers during this era. Like, yeah. I mean that's I mean that's anywhere. You have like if you can't, you know, if you have a shitty season because of rain and stuff like that, it's going to have a lot of effects not only on you but also the community. Yeah. Everyone else that depends on that farm and everything that it's, you know, providing. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a reason for centuries bad crops have been blamed on random bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, because they have to find an outlet for their frustration. Yeah. Because, you know, 200 years ago, a bad crop could make or break an entire village. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So they had to... You know, you come up with all these superstitions around, you know, good harvest. Yeah, maybe, and maybe right? that's that's kind of another way to look at it. Yeah, in that yep. case, they're like warding off the chupacabra is the same as warding off a bad harvest. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I like that. Maybe a lot. It was, that was like collectively using that word or that name as whatever this thing is. Yep. Even again, just as a metaphor for all of this stuff. Or as something to blame all of this on. Whatever. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Just a manifestation of their frustrations. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, on on some of these, like, more classic cases, one of the people I like to go to just to, like, probe for for their theories is our friend Vuk from Tracing Owls. Right? Because, like, I always know that he's going to offer, like, an outside perspective He's always, like, because he comes up with some of the, like, he does a lot of research in circles that I don't land in yeah. regularly. So, like, I like of course. I like to check in with him and see, like, what are other people saying about this? Like, what are you thinking about it, right? And I asked him today, I was like, give me your best theory on the chupacabra. <laughs> and he said, very complicated and nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he started yeah, it. That's, so that's fair. I, yeah, I think there is a ton here. There's a ton going on here. Like, do you separate the seventy-five, the stuff that happened in seventy-five from the See, stuff in ninety-five? That's the thing, though. But like, if we're going based off this whole last thing, government, you know, doing all this other stuff, testing everything, uh-huh. then they could essentially be one and the same. Sure. And this, you know, just maybe. Those were kind of like the initial trial tests. Sure. And then after that, I don't know, man. It's Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a lot going on here. There there is. There is and again, I wanted I wanted to be aliens cuz Yeah. Everything about it, that's what it screams to me. Yeah. Like I said, that's the funnest theory. Yeah, without a doubt. Is the aliens. I love the idea of this like left behind feral gray just like roaming the Puerto <laughs> Rican countryside trying to survive. Yeah. Like yeah, I'd, I'd watch that movie. I'd read that comic book. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool. awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, I I see I see what you mean, though. Like, yeah. it just almost has the most viable, logical explanation. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I can't, Crazy. like... I'm not going to land 100% anywhere on this one. I think it's, like, such a complicated... Like Vuk said, right? It's uh, complicated and nuanced. It really is. Like, there's so much, so many separate events, so many, like, different takes from different countries and different, you know, cultural perspectives to consider. Like, I just think it's awesome. It's a huge chapter in the history of weird, you know? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's cool. It's, but man, I want it to be aliens. I miss so much. Because I mean, anytime we can we can say, "Hey, 
This could be aliens. Yeah. It just needs to be that every time. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's... Especially with like the UFO fever going on yeah. right now. Oh, yeah, like for sure. it's I'm definitely more likely to to see the alien theory and think like that sounds awesome. Yeah. Cuz I'm like part of me is super hyped about what's going on right oh, now. I mean, you know what I mean? All of me like, is pretty pumped about it, you know. Yeah. It's we're in a we're in a really cool Really cool, really cool, like area right now or period of time right now that I think like I could see going in the proper, proper right direction, and then be able to use stories like this to help just yeah. kind of maintain that. That yeah, it's awesome. Imagine like full disclosure happens and we get answers to like dozens ah, of these old mysteries. That's right. Like, yeah, all these like little that would things be crazy. in time. Where it's like yeah, that, yeah, that's been aliens this whole time. Right. We suddenly have, like, confirmed answers for the Chupacabra and the fucking Hopkinsville Goblins and the fucking the Dover Demon and the Virginia Aliens and fucking... So we're just gonna piss off all the people that are anti-full-blown cryptids and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, little did you know, it's all aliens. They know so many of them probably are. I mean... So many. There's... I don't know a single person that's in the into this stuff that thinks the Hopkinsville goblins are like little humanoid no, creatures that all. live in the caves. Little None of them think people. Yeah, no. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. No way. Yeah. But no way. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I, I completely understand and I'm I'm on board for the last one too. Just because again, it makes a lot yeah, of sense. For sure. But agreed. I'm aliens. like I'll be honest, though. I'm terrified of full disclosure. I'm really worried about it. I wish you weren't so worried. I, Dude, we couldn't even handle the fucking... We couldn't even handle the the handling of a widespread disease without being assholes and politicizing it and being pulled left and right. And imagine how this would go. Like, you know... Everyone on TV would be discussing, like, but are the Greys Republicans or are they Democrats? Fuck off. And then it's going to be like, like, well, we need to get one of them on, on this episode so we can yeah, get exactly. the rundown on what's going over on Lanulos. It just, I know that, that if it happened, it would be politicized in an hour. It, it would be. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but... People would be on Fox News screaming about how we need to kill them all, and people would be on NBC talking about how, like, we should... We should all move one into our house so we can get to know them. That is an excellent plot line for a movie. Did you ever watch Fido? <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. it's a it's a world based around after a zombie apocalypse, for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. And then they're turned into basically house pets. Um, because they wear these colors that like almost humanize them or you know. Yeah. So they yeah. can like turn them into like their you know, like their housekeepers or they can go yeah. to the grocery store for them and do like just all this silly stuff. Yeah. Um but, you know, it's like imagine that as an aliens. It's sort of like the same concept as um oh, what's that new movie that came out about the the girl who gets an AI robot for her best friend? Oh yeah. Um Megan. Yep. Yeah, it's sort of the same plot line as Megan. Yeah. Where like because the first in that movie, the first rounds of these AIs are used as like servants, basically. Yeah. 
they're like housekeepers and shit and they like start to rebel right, right. like there's a one am i conflating it with another movie but i i thought there was like a scene where it starts talking back and they're like they keep telling it to shut down yeah that's that's a megan shut, yep. that's megan okay okay she's yeah. telling her to shut down but she doesn't do it and finally after several times she does you know she eventually yeah. does yeah but and it's a she's first like, scene is just like a little bug that needs to be corrected right but yeah yeah and then they yeah, it's sort of a similar how, thing with AI yeah, I was about instead to of the rest of the movie. Damn. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Go watch Megan. It's it's killer. It I loved is. it. It it was I was yeah. very surprised. I thought it was good. Me too. I thought it was going to be silly, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But yeah, something like that too. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm it scares me that it would be politicized and yeah. it would I just mean, be even more chaos. I know, you know. I and I get that. I get that, but I think at the end of the day and as we've talked about, I don't know if we talk about it on this or we talk about it on a camp, a camp out. I think we talked about it on Friday Night Fright last oh, week. Oh, was it on Friday Night Fright? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's not going to change a whole lot. We're just going to know. I think we'll just adapt pretty quickly yeah. and yeah. go on about our business. We're going to you know amp up security. I mean, we're, our Ramp military is force. already, <laughs> you know, freaking cocked How and many- loaded at all times. How many fucking 18-year-old farm boys would sign up for Space Force the next day? Dude, I would love to be a part oh of my a God. St- Space Force. <laughs> I think you and I are too old. Yeah. Now. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I could work at the place. Uh, yeah, what was the sure. one, What was the movie where they, they established, a, like, a area on the moon? Um, they, like, um, when they go to, when they're going to... I don't know Mars or whatever else. They have to stop at the moon, and the moon. Then they take them to like some. They like refuel and all that, right? Uh, on the moon. I don't know. That sounds familiar. I'm sure it's been used a lot of times in yeah. a lot of different things, but I'm not sure what you're. It's it's something at. like that. But I mean, what I what I was trying to what I was trying to get at is that work on the moon. Yeah, I want to work on the moon or yeah. Mars. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, like we could develop some form of space force where there's like an outpost here and there or whatever. Or you get to work like sure. just, you know, I I would just do like their security stuff. Yeah. Like computer stuff, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, I'll just install Windows or whatever they decide to use all day long. <laughs> yeah. All day. <laughs> just to be able to be like oh, that close to that would be part of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See that's that's the big question is because I like I like the take you have where if full disclosure happened we, there'd be a bit of like turmoil and then we'd adjust and move yeah, on. Yeah, I mean there's right? going to there's I, there's of course there's going to be something, you know, like it's there's going to be some form of a panic, but I don't think it's going to be like this like world the world shuts yeah. down our economy goes, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like we might see like you know, some things take a small hit, but for a very, very short period of time. Just as everybody kind of wraps their heads around what's actually happening, mm-hmm. and the fact that all these, like, other people that, you know, buy into the world being flat and aliens not sure. being a thing, and, you know, that we're the only things out there and whatever else, like, you know, yeah. let those people kind of finally realize how just... Stupid. Stupid, but not not Just necessarily stupid. Um, ignorant. How wrong is the they've word been? I was looking for. 
yeah. how ignorant they've been towards it. Toward it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, just because, like, they didn't know any better. Yeah. But yet, they're completely against being open, you know, in some way or another. Sure. And then yeah. find out, oh, yeah, this is actually happening. This is a real thing. Like, right. you need to now accept it. Yeah. So I, I, I think we'd see some of that, and then I'd be like, okay, well. See, I like that idea, but I worry about the fact that Okay, so there's an idea that this is this whole disclosure thing is happening on a timetable, right? And that timetable is based on something that's coming. Yeah. So like some time limit that's been given or some, you know what I mean? And like yeah. what if that is them coming here maybe on mass, right? Like maybe like maybe there was a plan to integrate to actually integrate into our society you know what i mean then that would or, change things huge in a huge way right oh yeah yeah but see people need to be prepared for that they need to know ahead of time instead of oh we're here and that's why you should go to campfire tales of the strange and unsettling.com and buy our survival bucket because <laughs> you have to be prepared for this <laughs> <laughs> We need to sell a survival bucket. Yeah, we do. Oh, have we, you ever seen we those? We have a survival bucket. Oh, dude, yeah. Those, yeah, okay. Have you watched The Righteous Gemstones on Max? No. Okay. I haven't. You need to. It's basically... I'm, I'm, it, this is completely side whatever. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Sure. But it's about this, like, this family that uh, they basically have this, like, mega church. Okay. And they're in, in Texas... Um, and so like they, it's, it's completely nuts. Everything that happens in the show is just extremely out there. Um, but it has Danny McBride, has John Goodman, has Adam Devine in it, which is phenomenal. Shit. Um, but yeah, it's this family that basically runs this like mega church and they're millionaires because of it, you know, like growing up doing, doing all this stuff. Yeah. And the children are these grown up grown up children completely absurd and just absolutely ridiculous okay but needless to say in this latest season um and i'm I'm not going to give anything away other than they talk about y2k okay and so they they created the church created a survival bucket to survive y2k yeah and like promoted the hell out of it and people bought it and then it was never needed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, but silly. That's a silly huge thing like for that. televangelists, dude. Televangelists for a long time have done that. They sell like survival buckets and like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It, it is. It's, it's crazy, but we're going to have a survival bucket alongside our campfire field guide. Yes. Agreed. On how you too can survive. Disclosure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't it earlier, earlier I said an unsavory <laughs> anal probing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unsavory. Yes. Yeah. That's the worst kind. That, it is the worst kind. If you're going to be anal probed, it should at least be savory. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I think we should end on that note. How about so you? <laughs> Boy. And that concludes episode 109, El Chupacabra. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. 
and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.